Sawate Disciple, welcome again to another episode of Latin and Layman's where your boy, your host, Mr. Connerly, is here trying to spread some knowledge, trying to just help you improve your grammar skills, um, your understanding of language, maybe, you know, widening that vocabulary of yours because why not, you know? As my mom always said, looks fade, but dumb it's forever. And I really, truly believe that wholeheartedly. So without further ado, um, and liking to, cla- uh, to crack myself up there. Also, one thing that I've noticed, um, because I've been diving back into older podcasts of mine, where uh, I was filming back, or not filming, recording back when I was living in Portland, I realized, you know, I was pretty good at what I was doing. I also went on quite a few side tangents as well as I was quite a bit more, um, uh, I would say, sassy. Um, Just a different part of my my life. Definitely, I was going and sifting through a lot of things. And you know what? Still am, always am. Kids out there, all y'all need to know, as you are growing up, your parents are also growing up, all right? So... We're all growing up. We're all doing our growth thing uh, if we allow it to. Um, And, you know, I'm just in a different space. I don't find myself to be as sassy as I used to be, especially because I can't really do that with middle schoolers because uh, fighting fire with fire ain't a good idea. In fact, dealing with middle schools have taught me the beautiful abilities of de-escalating situations. Uh, In fact, I would say that I am 10 times a million times better about doing that than I ever was before um, teaching. So y'all, y'all have taught me so much patience. I really do appreciate that as well as, you know, funny things. Like I had a quote the other day. I'm doing a quote wall with one of my students. Uh, Sixth graders can say some really funny things. So I was going over Latin and I was asking them, well, Latin is the romance language. Does anybody have any examples of um, uh, what another romance language is that we might think of today in our modern life? And one of the kids so excitedly he like put his hands on the desk and he like threw himself forward and he was like smooth jazz and I cracked up and then everybody else did it was hilarious because you know what the kid's not wrong smooth jazz mm. get me a, a, a sultry type of way uh, but <laughs> unfortunately smooth jazz doesn't really go alongside Spanish or Portuguese or French or anything like that or Italian. So yes and no. Anyways, there's a little side tangent of mine as well as, uh, oh, one other thing. Um, I guess I'm in this kind of mood. Uh, Looking back at some of my prior episodes, I've noticed that I've carried on certain idiosyncrasies and one that I've carried on uh, from the beginning is saying without further ado, um, not sure how I feel about that yet because I think it's just a good transitional piece into what I'm going to be talking about. But hey, if y'all have any ideas, hit me up. Uh, email me at uh, liamconnerly at gmail.com and say, yo, you could say it better. You could say it like this. Or hey, if you ever have any questions, uh, 
about grammar, about Latin, hit me up, liamconnerly at gmail.com, L-I-A-M-C-O-N-N-E-R-L-Y at gmail, gmail.com, okay? So uh, there's another way. There, uh, well, now I've given my audience a way to contact me if you guys do want to do so, as well as I do have my TikTok, so you can actually put a face to or a, to my voice, um, Mr. Liam Connerly, at Mr. Liam Connerly, I believe, uh, and I do a lot more etymological kind of stuff on there, whereas this is just mainly grammar for the most part, but, you know, I am taking a lot of different ideas, and I'm going to start, like I said, incorporating... Um, uh, you know, the, what do we call them? Myths. There we go. Word recall. There we go, Liam. Um, yeah, I'm going to be starting to do a little more deep dives into that, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know what? Let's go ahead. Let's let Mr. Connerly step off this soapbox of his. All right. I'm stepping off and, uh, let's get on into the episode. So without further ado, Let's get on into neuter nouns and substantive nouns. Let's understand what those are. In fact, ask yourself, do you know what a substantive noun is? Because we deal with them a lot in English as well. So think about it. Cool beans. Welcome back to the lesson here of neuter nouns and substantive nouns. Um, I have a student actually that hates it when I use the term cool beans for some reason. So we've agreed upon using the term tepid beans. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I'll, I'll use it. Uh, the concept of tepid beans sound uh, pretty gnarly, but uh, alas, let's just dive on into it and let Mr. Connerly stop with these silly side tangents. What am I doing here? Um, anyways, this is me. There are, well, let's see, one, two, three. I would say three important rules to remember here. Um, while we're going through this lesson. So take note. So number one, neuter nominatives and accusative forms are always the same. All right. Secondly, an adjective agrees with a noun. It modifies in number, gender, and case always in Latin. Very simple in that way. It might not always agree in form when you start to cross second declension nouns with third declension adjectives or something like that, or, you know, going further and further on into fourth and fifth declensions. But for now, let's just say that they always agree, and for the sake of uh, the fact that we're only in the first and second declension, they're always going to agree in gender, number, and case, as well as form, okay? So let's get into the neuter gender here real quick. Along with masculine and feminine, Latin also has a neuter gender, meaning neither, right? Referring to how it is neither masculine nor feminine. That's what neuter is in reference to and meaning. This neuter gender is often applied to things which don't have a natural gender, like the words war, which is bellum, right? Like the term in historical significance, antebellum, or iron, which is ferrum. Now, don't we refer to iron on the periodic table as Fe? Because of ferrum. Hello, ferrous iron. There's another little uh, chemistry plug there. Or danger, which is periculum. Periculum like peril. Periculum is neuter. Notice all those bellum, ferrum, and periculum all end in a U-M ending. But it's not as simple as that, right? 
There are many exceptions to this rule, and thus, in Latin, things which are masculine in gender are not necessarily, or always male in nature, rather. The same holds true with the other two genders. So in Latin, um, it's not as straightforward as it is in English, where he, the masculine pronoun, almost always refers to something male, or she, the feminine pronoun, something female, or it, the neuter pronoun, something without gender. In Latin, there are many things which we English speakers see as not having natural gender, and so we refer to any of these things in the singular as it. But in Latin, these same things are masculine or feminine. So for instance, let me think, like the word like penalty, which is poena, that's a feminine word, right, with that A ending, or agricola, which is farmer, um, which is also feminine. Uh, farmers can be either masculine or feminine, but for some reason in Latin, it's taken on strictly the feminine gender, um, as well as memory, which is memoria. Uh, that's feminine. Book, liber, uh, which uh, is funny because it sounds like, or it comes from the word liberation. And when I think about books, they liberate us, right? Knowledge liberates you. Um, and let's see another word, like year, which is honest, like annual, right? That's masculine with that U-S ending. Or um, another word like grief, which is dolor, which is also masculine. Grief um, is kind of just, you know, a concept, if you will. It's an emotion. It's a feeling. Um it's not a masculine, I wouldn't refer to grief as being masculine in gender in the English language, but in Latin, different story. Like I said, the neuter gender does not always apply to things which do not have a nat or um, a neither gender to it. Sometimes, you know, Romans just did their Roman thing. Therefore, at the end of the day, gender in Latin is arbitrary and must be memorized for each now. Okay, sorry, not sorry just how language is. I'm sure you understand. Patterns do exist though, however, and I always like to draw off patterns because that helps me encode that information into my head for better retrieval later on. So for instance, first declension nouns, which have an A in their nominative singular, are almost always feminine in the same way second declension nouns ending in US in their nominative singular, are almost always masculine. As we study other declensions, rather, and see patterns which can help in memorizing gender, we'll point them out. I always love doing that. Remember, math is a lot of patterns. It's a lot of puzzles. Language, in a way, is also that way. Remember how I mentioned that Latin is very objective in that way. In a way, because it was written so long ago, it's set in that stone, right? Boom, shakalaka. It's not changing. We can... We can pull it, we can use it as that foundation to therefore pull other things from, extrapolate more, right? Because English is ever-changing, but we can go back to its foundation and give us the better, uh, the better essentials and the critical thinking skills in order to understand the deeper meaning behind things, right? Like when we get into substantives because you don't understand what a substantive is, but if you think about it and just break it down uh, etymologically, if you only knew the prefix sub, which meant under, you know, a substantive means under something. So it's under something, under something type of noun, 
really. So now I have a little bit more information to think about when I might uh, read about what a substantive is, which I'm going to get into in a second, but I'm going on another side tangent. Let me get back to it after I hydrate. Okay, so I'm back focused. Second declension, neuter nouns. Uh, let's go ahead and just dive into the endings for a second. And note, nominative singular ending, U-M. In the second declension singular, that's the only difference between the masculine and neuter forms. In the plural, there are only two differences. The A ending found in the nominative and accusative of the plural. So, in other words, masculine and neuter are very, very similar in the formation of it. And I urge you to pull up maybe like a chart or two and look at the similarities between them. Because the more you see the similarities, the easier it is for you to memorize it. Ha. Sound good? Cool beans. Uh, there's one, uh, one more thing to be very careful of here, though. The neuter, nominative, and accusative plural A endings look a lot like the nominative singular ending feminine ending in the first declension. Confusing these two endings is an easy mistake to make in the beginning, but because no Latin noun is both first and second declension, these endings do not actually overlap in any way, which just underscores the importance of knowing which declension a Latin noun belongs to, right? Declensions basically also open up an entirely new vocabulary to learn from, but it's those vocabulary words are delegated to that specific declension. So remember, we got to keep them within those declensions. Like I just said, a noun cannot be both first or second or third declension altogether. It can only be one, okay? It can only be one declension, one case, one gender, and one number, okay? Simple enough. If a noun is first declension and has an A ending, it means the word is nominative singular. But if a word is second declension neuter and has an A ending, it can either be nominative or accusative plural. In that light, it's interesting to bear in mind that the English derivatives like, um, like data and agenda are actually neuter plural. Think about it. They are derivatives of Latin second declension nouns. Proper grammar then demands that one say the data show, not the data shows. But enforcing niceties of that sort is often a losing battle, in my opinion, as I like to say, splitting hairs to the nth degree. Uh, I suggest you use data properly, but don't insist everybody else do it or else you might find yourself with many data but few friends, okay? Sorry. I like my dad jokes. Another thing to note is how the nominative and accusative forms in the singular and plural respectively are the same. Um, the nominative and accusative singular, and A in the nominative and accusative plural, which brings up the rule that will apply not only to the forms you learn in Latin, but across Indo-European languages as well that neuter, nominatives, and accusatives, accusatives are always the same. Remember that. Now, that doesn't mean that the accusative singular and the accusative plural are the same, but 
within number, in other words, the singular of the nominative and accusative or the plural of the nominative and accusative will always be the same. Think about that. Let that percolate in your mind. And let's go ahead and just go over the endings real quickly. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll do, go over the endings by themselves at first, going from nominative all the way down to ablative uh, in the singular and then diving into the plural. So I'll go over the singular endings first through all five cases and then the plural all five cases. And then I'll apply it to the word bellum, remember, which means war, like our historical period antebellum which meant before the war, and in reference to this war, it meant the Civil War, right? Because antebellum, I believe, was right after the Great War of 1812, all the way leading up to um, 1861, the beginning of Civil War, I believe, because that was a period where slavery was plentiful in the South, you know, not great stuff. You know, it's just our history. But it still is our history, okay? We have to remember that. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I definitely, I'm on these side tangents. I love it. I'm, I'm into it, okay? Maybe it's because I'm doing the neuter gender, right? In a way, you know, Romans weren't thinking about politically correct things at the time, but you know what? We can't hold them accountable. But at the same time, uh, I think they were on to something. I think they, uh, you know, they knew that, uh, you know, gender could be this very fluid thing. So, you know, for all those out there, you know, I, I, I don't care. Like I tell my students, when you walk in my classroom, you could identify as a circle. Like, I don't care. Like whoever you are, you are whatever makes you and fulfills you in life and makes you happy. Hell yeah, brother. H E double L. Oh, another thing that I noticed in my previous episodes way back when, is that I cuss uh, a little bit more. So students that are tuning in, just be mindful of, of that because Mr. Connerly can whip out the S-H-H-I-T um, and or the A-S-S and or uh, quite, a other, uh, quite a few other ones because I was a little, a little bit more heated back then, but you boys calm down a bit, okay? All right, endings, nominative singular starting. Um, e, O, M, O, A, or is, A, is. Okay. Now I'm going to say the masculine really quickly just to show you how similar those are. Us, E, O, M, O. E, Orm, is, os, is. Um, E, O, M, O, A, Orm, is, A, is. Very similar. Very, very similar. As you can even hear, remember the way that I remember these endings was walking around campus whenever I remembered. Um, I would just start to recite them in my head as I stepped with each step and ending would be recited in my head. So here's the example of the second declension, neuter noun, bellum, uh, which meant war. And we're going to decline, decline it in all of its forms, singular and then plural. Bellum, belly, bellum, bellum, below, bella, bellorum, belis, bella, belis. All right. Now adjectives. I recommend uh, to utilize first and second declension endings to create one declensional system called the first and second declension. The reason for this is that since adjectives must be able to modify any noun, they must also be able to take any number, gender, or case. So adjectives have to have a full set of first slash second declension endings in order to make them uh, masculine or feminine or neuter, singular or plural, or 
any of the case endings. Uh, it's very important. In the world of Latin grammar, nouns that take precedence over adjectives, hence the rule that an adjective must agree with a noun it modifies, in number, gender, and case. I'm going to say that a lot. I hope that I can drill that into your head because it's very, 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 very true. Now, let's look at how to form an adjective. Just like nouns, adjectives have a base. To determine the base, drop the feminine nominative singular ending. In this case, A, from the second form in the vocabulary. Let's say you have the word magnus, which meant great. In the dictionary, it will be cited in its nominative singular forms. Um, in this case, magnus, magna, magnum. Take the, the second equation form, the feminine nominative singular, drop the ending A, and you have magn, right? M-A-G-N. That's the base with the rare exceptions that like this and these, that and those. Our adjectives do not change forms and do not contain the same kind of grammatical information that Latin adjectives do. So either you have to write out the grammar, for instance, if you have the word bonus to translate it as good, uh, but you need to add the grammatical information, nominative, singular, masculine. Or you attach the adjective to a noun with the same grammatical values, as in the, uh, the good boy did his homework. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Or the good girl did it, her homework. Hint, hint, wink, wink to all my students out there. Thank you very much for doing said homework that I don't really assign that often because remember, I'm not a big homework guy. I'm about a learning type of guy. And if you think about it, that raises another interesting possibility, namely the formation of what grammarians call substantives. So we're going to go ahead and glide on from adjectives into substantive, substantives. Mr. Connerly having a bit of a tongue tie because he talked a little bit with his tongue still because his mom and dad ingrained it as a little kid because apparently my first word was flower, but I said flower when I pointed to the flower. And then my parents decided to talk to me like this. And then they ingrained it. And then I did health correct. And now I talk kind of like this. So it's not perfect, but... Shout out to my parents. I know you didn't mean to sabotage my, my speech, but you did. Love you still. Substantives are words that are fundamentally adjectives, but they function as nouns, such as the adjective good. It can serve as a substantive, that is, as a noun. So, for instance, if you talk about the goods in the, in the store, goods is a noun, meaning the good things in the store. The adjective is serving as a noun, and that's a substantive. Similarly, you can talk about a swift, a fast-flying bird. Birds are a noun, but the word swift is, a, is at heart an adjective. Okay? Makes sense. In English, we often show that an adjective is functioning as a substantive by pluralizing it or putting an article in front of it, such as the electronics, or the young and the restless, for instance. What's another one? I'll think of more maybe later. But Latin adjectives contain more information encoded in them than their English counterparts, which makes them much more 
easy to convert into substantives because, for instance, they have gender, and gender naturally implies a gendered substance. Hence, the principle that Latin substance, substantives, I'm really struggling with this word, you guys, derive their substance from their gender. In other words, because a Latin adjective is masculine, it implies that the substance or the understated noun lying behind the adjective is man or men, if the adjective is plural. If an adjective is feminine in gender, it implies woman, or if it's plural, women. And if it's neuter, thing, or in the plural, things. For an adjective to serve as a substantive, it must go or it must rather have no noun to go with in its sentence. Otherwise, there, there's no need to evoke substance from its gender. Hence, substantive, under the substance, right? Boom shakalaka, a way to remember it. In other words, though, to think about it, if bonus has liber to go with it, it's a good book, right? There's no need to add man to good if you got book there, right? But if you just had bonus by itself, it would it could refer to bonus as being a good man or bona being a good woman. So this is how substantive substantives work. There we go, Mr. Connerly. You got it. Let's get it. Substantives. Substantives, substantives, let's get it. You're reading along in a Latin sentence and you come to an adjective. It doesn't have to modify a noun to modify. So you have to look at its gender. If the gender is masculine, you add man or men to the translation of the adjective. Hence, when I was talking about bonus and or bona, if the adjective is feminine, you add woman or woman. And if it's neuter, thing or things. Here are some examples of substantives. Say you're reading along in a Latin sentence and you run into the word parvus, meaning small. And you can see that from the U.S. ending, it's nominative, singular, and masculine. If there's a noun to attach to it, say puer, you do that. You attach parvus to puer and translate it as the small boy. But if there is no noun to attach it to, the Latin text implies man, okay? Because parvus is masculine in gender. So then if you just saw parvus by itself, Maybe if you saw parwist as malus, you could say the small man is bad. Okay, because parwist as malus, small is bad, doesn't really, there's not really a lot of connotation. What is small, right? But if that ending is a US, then it implies masculine in nature, where it turns into man, aka parwist then is serving as a substantive. Let's get it. Here's another example real quick. How about mala? It means bad. As you can see from the A ending, it's nominative singular feminine. If mala is in a sentence where you it doesn't have another noun to modify, the implication is a bad woman. And because it's nominative, it function at, functions rather as the substance, the subject of the sentence. There we go. However, the A on the end of the mala shows for another possibility, right? Think about it. That mala is functioning as a neuter nominative or accusative plural. In that case, mala means bad things and most likely, most likely serves as either the direct object or the subject of the sentence in the plural. So I hope you guys understand 
Now, breaking apart the word substantive, you understand etymologically what it's really doing. It's really diving under the substance of what that adjective is meaning, the implications behind the gender of that adjective, and saying, okay, which one is it going to go to, masculine, feminine, or neuter, all right? And then this can apply contextually in stories where maybe, um, you know, they because you don't want to say the same word over and over and over again in each sentence, you know, you can start using substantives to still imply maybe the subject that you're talking about or the main character of the story or the antagonist or whatever, you know? So there you can see that substantives are much more implied within stories and within contextual pieces, okay? Not in just these fragment, fragmented sentences that you see in Wheelock as you practice, okay? So hope you learned something new. That's all I have to say other than, well, maybe uh, if you guys could be ever so kind and if you made it this far, hop on to Apple Podcasts, look up Latin in layman's, L-A-T-I-N, in I-N, layman's, L-A-Y-M-A-N, ticky mark S, okay? And uh, go ahead, scroll down to the bottom. Give me a review, five-star review. That would be absolutely, I'd be ever so grateful. Love being grateful. Love showing my gratitude. I'll shout you out. Um, like I said, now that I remember to plug some information of mine, you can give me an email at liamconnerly at gmail.com. That's my personal email. That's all I'm going to give for you guys right now until I maybe decide to make this more and more and more and more because I'm all about knowledge and this isn't just a Latin thing. This isn't everything type of thing. So we're learning about grammar. We're learning about speech. We're learning about language. But remember, I like to throw in my science. I like to throw in my math. I like to throw in my etymology. So you know what? We're going to have episodes just like that as well as mythology. You know, we can always use a good old parable, something to think about, maybe for us to apply to our moral character because sometimes we lose ourselves and we need to find ourselves again. We need to go through that hero's journey. You know, we need to, we need to find that identity again. And then, uh, you know what? Blossom from there. We're all, you know what? I'm, I'm just in this the, one of these moods, I guess, but you know what? I'm all about growth, growth, is systemic. When you grow with knowledge, you grow in confidence in yourself. You grow in knowing that you can do more, that you're capable in doing more. <coughs> Excuse me. You grow and you understand, and that can bleed into other things in your life, like working out and lifting weights. If you guys think about it for all of my athletic students, you know what? You prove to yourselves how awesome is it to add strength upon strength upon strength and see your body change and grow under these, this added stress? You know, you put your body through the stress. It's grueling at first, but then your body adapts and then you can do more. You can do more weight and then you can do more and then your body changes and then it adapts. All right. And then not only do you gain strength, but you look stronger as well. You know what? That's another way. Uh, knowledge, uh, in relationships, in, you know, in investing in relationships and those that, 
those people that you love and cherish dearly to invest wholeheartedly, send them a card. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually handwriting notes right now to just people I'm thinking about, um, and sending them off, man, people don't get that kind of S H I T anymore. Just do it. If you're thinking about it, text them, let them know, Hey, just wanted to let you know, I'm thinking about you. You know what? The whole idea of growth is that it's systemic in your life. Make it so. And I want this podcast to be as such. So I guess Mr. Connolly had a soapbox at the beginning, and now he's got his little soapbox at the end. So thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Latin and Layman's. I think next episode, um, I'm still deliberating, but stay tuned. It'll be fun. Either way, I don't think it'll it'll be a lot of this grammar stuff. Um, Appreciate you guys. Much love to y'all. Tempus est discetere.